Uh, is this thing on? Can you hear me? Welcome to the Gravity Lift Podcast, a mostly entertaining and at times informative place where we get to chat about all the things we love. Music and festival life, yoga and wellness, travel and adventure. We are your hosts, Jordan and Antonella. Our guests today are Locke and Philip, two Seattle-based producers that are making massive headway in the Psytrance scene under the pseudonym Demebo. I first met Locke in my early days of the Pacific Northwest electronic scene, and after spending a couple hours in his bedroom studio, it was apparent that he had the talent and drive to make it as a producer. It was also around that time that he met Philip via an online chat room for music production, and it wasn't long before they sat down in the studio and started making music together. Their very first release, titled Shangri-La, won them a trip to Las Vegas to perform at EDC as part of Insomniac's Discovery Project and solidified just how well these two work together in the studio. Fast forward a few years and a couple thousand additional hours in the studio, and their music caught the attention of Seven Lions, an extremely well-known producer who had recently moved to the Seattle area. The rest is destined for the history books, so without further ado, here's Demebo. Dude, this is like the, um, you're fucked with ASMR. Yeah. Just to hear your own voice like this? Well, yeah, it's, it's just weird to hear it so, like, present and full. Yeah. yeah. I just You're realized like, I have these lights on and they're bright as fuck. I'm turning those off. <laughs> so, just so you know, we are recording right now, but it's super easy that I can, uh, I'll just start it whenever we want to start. Yeah, it's nice good. to be able to have some, like, random chit-chat nonsense that you're talking about. I like, say, no, we do it a hard 10, 10 second countdown, just super intense. <laughs> and then uh, followed by, like, a 30 second awkward silence. <laughs> exactly. Staring at each other, like, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I gotta, I gotta use the bathroom. Perfect. Everyone's got their brewski close by. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll start off intellectual and then get shitty by the end. <laughs> there we go. All right, sweet. Well, welcome Locke and Phil Demebo to the Gravity Lift Studio. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for man. having us, dude. Good to be here. Yeah. So, uh, how are things these days? Seems like Demebo is doing some work. Yeah, it's it's going well, man. I mean, I gotta share my studio space with this guy, but yeah, <laughs> overall, it's all right. Like, not only studio space, man, his his home space. He yeah, my home space. <laughs> yeah, man, we're just uh, busy writing a lot right now. Um, we've got a variety of uh, tracks between remixes, collabs, and we're all kind of trying to dial in and finish up and uh, put them out in the next few months. It's amazing how, like, uh, from the outside. It doesn't seem that busy, but for us, there's all of these like deadlines and stuff hanging over, but like uh, how release schedules work and just everything, you know, the way, like the time it takes for tracks to get released, you know, from the outside, it's like, oh, Demibo like puts out a, a track every couple months. But for us, it's like, oh God, we got to get this done and this done. So right. yeah, man, super, um, super busy, super busy. Yeah. I feel like uh, when we don't have any like news, any like social media stuff coming up, I'm from the outside, it'll look like, yeah, these guys aren't doing anything, you know? We had a whole dry spell about a year and a half ago, about six months. We didn't do anything. We were doing a lot of things, but we didn't publicly do anything. Now, Locke said uh, releases take a long time, and we just had one pushback from May to September or October, right? And that was done about two months ago. Yeah. So how does that work when you get a song pushed back? Is that just like the label itself being like, oh, we're not ready for it yet? Because like, does it come down to whether or not your track is ready, or is it all on them? It's... It's pretty much all of them, man. Yeah, it's like yeah. just the, the business side of things, you know. Often, it, oftentimes our releases are late. Like they get pushed back. We, you know, we have it finished. We we send it off to the label. 
and they're like, okay, cool. Like we got it. And then we don't hear for them for about three months. And then they say, oh, we finally, we finally have a release date, you know, two months down the road. This one was, they were pretty direct about it. They're like, hey, we're just going to push this back because timing's not great right now. And then some labels are just completely packed full with releases. There's only so many that can release in a week. So, yeah. Huh. So some exciting things going on though. Speaking of the, the uh, the tracks are getting that are getting pushed back, but um, one that one that's we're really excited about that's going to be just like super super left field as far as um, the genre that we make and stuff. We teamed up with with Seven Lions on a, I mean maybe blues blues Brazil bass would be the closest thing I could uh, I could describe genre wise, but it's fun, man. It's it's a song that's just like totally left field as far as like psytrance um and then <laughs> or anything that seven lions has done <laughs> yeah totally like everybody's fan bases are going to just be really worked up about it when it comes out but but you can hear the influence of everything in there yeah everybody has a hand in it and then we um we were lucky enough uh we sent it off to um, this guy named chris thomas king he was one of the members of the soggy bottom boys um and oh brother where art thou and basically threw him a curveball and we're like hey would you maybe want to sing on an electronic track that's just like experimental um and he was down and so it's been really fun to work with like someone like a grammy winning blues vocalist who makes just like really like proper you know blues who's never done anything like this and then we're just kind of like in uncharted waters um and so we got him to you know to sing on it and he like recorded some really nice like guitar and um you know combining that with you know honing in electronic production it's been really cool. So we're probably looking at like mid to late summer for that one to come out. Um, nice. Yeah. You actually sent me that track. We were out at the club and you were like, That's dude, right. there's this track. I was pretty buzzed and super, <laughs> super jazzed on it. And super you told excited. me all about it. And I was like, dude, that sounds dope. And you literally sent it to me like within an hour of promised. that. I was like, and I was like riding home, home in the car. I was like, dude, it. this is good. <laughs> yeah. But it definitely is totally like left field out there. Yeah. But I love that because people get so tied into their specific genre. Um, and I know you guys both started kind of in the trance world and have switched your way to Psytrance. And you guys have kind of found a home there. But I, I love that artists continue to evolve, and I think that's necessary. I think a lot of times people will uh, chastise their favorite artists and say, oh, you're totally different. Like, you don't sound like you used to sound. Just like you said, people are going to be like, what the fuck? Like, Seven Lines? This isn't a Seven Lines track. Like, Dude, everybody's going to be up in arms. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of awesome because it, it forces people to kind of try new things because normally would someone ever listen to that track and would it ever get released on, you know, a label that someone normally listens to if they're into the side trance world? No, probably not. But they'll see Seven Lions or Demibo or this Grammy winning artist in like cross genres in a way that I think is pretty cool. It'll be fun, man. I'm especially his Chris Thomas King's fan base will be like, <laughs> yeah, what, the fuck what is, is this going on here? But you know, I mean, like we've played it for some of our friends, you know, and so like. We'll be hanging out, like, you know, chilling at an after party and, like, be putting on music and, and we'll, like, we'll sneak it in. And it starts out with just a really, like, kind of, like, somber guitar riff. And everybody's like, no, fuck country. I don't like this type yeah. of music. And they'll be like, just hang on, dude. And then it's just like, and then it evolves into just this night. It's like mid-tempo and we work in really high tempos a lot. So it's mm -hmm. kind of nice to, like, be in that, you know, not super 138 to 142 aggressive, you know, just have have some room to breathe and so... The great thing um, about it, though, is that it still has a side trance bassline. Like it's it's got the same style of bassline in it, but we throw blues and guitar 
all over it, and it's you know housey beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it kind of has all the makings of a song that's going to be successful. The sense that it's got a catchy hook, like the vocals are catchy. Uh, the melody's simple but good, and it's got a beat that you know makes people dance. Yeah, I think that'll be a good summer one. So, yeah. so do you guys have like a, a label set up with that and everything, or is that more of just like a throw it out there release? Yeah, that's good. So it'll be on uh, Ophelia, which is Jeff Seven Lines label. Um, which is it's cool to to be working with him on that label because it's you know it's new this year as of like January. He just started it up, um, and he basically started it because he's like you know I want to have a label that whatever the hell I want to make. I can put out, which is just like this, you know, this would be kind of hard to like shop around to labels because it doesn't really have a, you can't peg it as a certain genre, like a, you know, EDM or whatever, melodic dubstep. Um, And so, yeah, it's really cool to just be involved with that and have the opportunity, you know, to put a song out that's experimental on a really cool label, um, you know, with one of our good friends and an amazing artist. So, yeah. yeah. How does that even happen? Because I mean, most artists, I guess we'll put one that's specific in mind, given their Coachella. Uh, thing they just did but odessa like lives was born and raised in seattle but like do they even live here anymore i would imagine they moved to la with where like pretty much everyone else moves to when they like quote unquote make it in this industry but like jeff was like no i'm gonna move to seattle yeah he did the exact opposite (laughs) yeah so how's that how's that work with you guys having someone here in seattle because i know like the seattle scene puts out a lot of talent but People don't seem to stay a while. Yeah, they they leave the scene because it's very like specific here. People like grunge, punk. You know, there's not much. There's an EDM scene, but there's not a. You can't like really grow in that EDM scene. You got to go down to LA where you have the connections. And up here, there aren't you know management firms, agencies. Yeah, that will help you out. But uh, on the same side of that token, though, I mean, like y- you can make electronic music anywhere, and basically get it to your target audiences from anywhere. You know, it's it's. LA or you know these these places that are big hubs like it's nice and it's kind of like easy to look at them like starry-eyed like let's get to LA and you know be out at X club every weekend and like meet the managers and stuff but at the same time I mean you can really I I think you can you can make it from anywhere if you just you know focus on your product and getting it out into the right people um and yeah it was just kind of coincidence you know Jeff moved up here um and we had the opportunity to meet him and he's, he's down with Psytrance and we, we showed him some of our stuff and he was just like, yeah, cool. I mean, it'd be fun to experiment and work together and stuff. We were uh, in the boat of people who for a while wanted to move down to LA. You know, there's more of a budding. <laughs> it was us for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a budding Psytrance scene down there. There's a lot of really cool parties. Um, you know, Christopher Lawrence is down there. There's there's people you can meet that'll help grow your career. But uh, then we met Jeff and we've been making progress that way. And he's been putting a lot of effort in to making Psytrance more of a, a mainstream thing here in America, right? And America, you just see it at the, you know, these burner parties out in the desert. It's it's pretty out there, right? It's pretty eclectic. So Jeff has been putting in the mainstream and he's been working with us. So that's a perfect in into basically growing Psytrance in America and us being the ones that kind of do it. Yeah, because you guys even had the third person to Amiibo, mm-hmm. uh, Brennan. Brennan. And he did move down to LA. He did move down to LA, yeah. Yeah, he's 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 doing slightly different things though. He's you know producing for other artists, making a, a variety of beats, but he's got a lot of talent. So he decided it would be best to kind of be down in LA and make use of it. Yeah, do you guys feel like you're still? Uh, I mean, I assume you're totally still in contact with him. I've seen him up here, like mm-hmm. I've hung out with him at shows that you guys have been at, like Bliss and whatnot. Um, do you guys feel like you lost um, 
uh, a helpful element because I don't want to say critical element because obviously you guys are still slanted on your own and I know both of you well enough that you know what the hell you're doing. Um, but from someone like that who has some of that industry experience, do you still continue to keep in contact with him about stuff Demebo related or is it kind of like totally gone his own way? It, it's a complicated like situation, I guess. Um, I would imagine. <laughs> uh, so initially, Brennan just, uh, well, he's just, brilliant individual like he he learned so much about music production that he passed on to me i mean every time we got into the studio he'd you know tell me about something new he learned or a new plug-in or new uh, technique and he'd show me how to do it so we don't really have that element uh, anymore i mean i gotta force myself a little bit to study on my own and find uh cool techniques and mixing techniques to uh, learn um but overall i mean we've, we've kept in contact he's still my friend and we still talk pretty often it's not so much music related anymore it's, you know, we'll send each other songs, ask for feedback, let each other know what's going on. Um, but as for like, you know, the actual songs themselves, I mean, it's locking myself. Yeah. And now. you guys pretty much learned all the mastering necessary to be able to do it on your yeah. own without yeah. the need of someone else. Yep. Nice. And like, you know, Brendan's forever going to be a Demi bro. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like at all the big events and everything, I, I feel like I'll invite him all the time. Like, hey, dude, like come hang out with us. Yeah, yeah, it can so. be like, it can be like Swedish House Mafia someday. You guys just all <laughs> get the crew back together. Yeah, I remember the, back the, in the bond day. that was formed in like those two and a half years of just like late nights in a tiny bedroom staring at the <laughs> computer screen. Like, yeah. that will never be broken, man. And like, <clears throat> yeah, no, dude, Brennan's still absolutely the homie. Um, it was just yeah, Phil and I kind of like found a very, I mean, Psytrance in itself is very like is very niche. It's like you know a very extreme type of trance, and we just kind of like honed in on it. And like, yeah, Brennan wasn't as psyched on like that genre as we were um and but yeah there's no hard feelings we just kind of let him know that that was where we wanted to take Demebo and he absolutely understood but yeah he's an amazing producer and always making super cool creative stuff um, but yeah just kind of in a different vein these days yeah, yeah. um but yeah I'm just a wizard man yeah. yeah it was a totally amicable totally. split like or yeah it's like you know this is best for all of our careers sweet yeah. Yeah. So do you guys have any uh, sweet festivals coming up this year that you guys are playing yet? We usually played Connection Music Festival yeah. the last two years. We didn't get booked this year. Um, uh, some kind of, I don't know, we didn't. Dude, festivals are a weird thing. Yeah, we, did, we <laughs> didn't have much communication with them this year. And we were not really counting on it, but hoping we could do it again because it's a, it's a cool little spot. Yeah, so the most reason I ask is just because like, you guys don't play much. You know, We see you out and around, and I totally understand that as a DJ aspiring producer myself. Like, you your talents are much more suited towards producing music that you know is you know the necessity to get where you want to go um but i read in one of your interviews recently that like there is something phenomenal about playing your own track in front of a mm -hmm. bunch of people and i know oh, that absolutely. exists mm -hmm. so like do you guys have any things that you are like hoping to come play your tracks because i know i remember seeing you guys at edc 2013 when you won the discovery project <laughs> and I was there and that was phenomenal i remember hanging out with you guys there being like oh shit like they did it um and so it's been cool seeing since there so like do you guys have any other big ones beyond connection or edc that you're really like hoping someday you can get towards like big dreams oh like you're talking like long run yeah i mean it's there's there's Azora. some festivals out there. Yeah, Azora, <laughs> Azora boom. Azora. Any of the Israeli European side trance yeah. festivals. Universal the, Parallelo. Yeah, the beach. On the beach. Yeah. They have those crazy cool tapestries and like really cool psychedelic artwork. People are all dressed up like really cool. Yeah, and they just party in the sun. All I mean, day. Like, it'd be it'd be awesome 
to be involved with. And we, we aim to like be involved in just like the kind of the big mainstream festival circuits, like the U S and kind of like, you know, the, the EDCs and, and, and all those and stuff, but really where like the, the meat and potatoes of being a Psytrance producer and like traveling and playing shows are, are in the, just like the festivals that are, you know, the weird ones, the, the big ones. And I mean, there's ones that I didn't even know about before we got into Psytrance mm-hmm. and we like watch these videos, you know, and they're tucked away and Azura is like Hungary or like, yep. you know, Portugal on the beach, boom festival, yeah, yeah. Brazil, like all of South America. Um, you know, th- those are like the, the dream to be on those someday, but, but also, uh, here at home, you know, it'd be fun to play. And I think that Psy- like Psytrance picks up in the U S um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to, to be, um, you know, regulars on like the, the U S festival circuit. I mean, I don't know, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but, uh, no, I feel you. I just like to kind of look at things in, yeah, uh, yeah, in a super positive light about like what would be possible. Yeah. I remember that, that's I, the dream. That's the dream. When I first got into it, I was always super stoked on EDC. Like that was always mm-hmm. my goal. Like I want to play EDC. There's something Sunday. special about EDC. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, still, it's like, it's like, like the like, center of dance music, basically yeah, the, the, the ravers dreams. Yeah. But there's like yeah. something about growing up and I guess like, it's not the right word, but like kind of like learning about cultures. I was going to say becoming cultured, but I don't really like that phrase. But learning about these different festivals that offer a totally different vibe, a totally mm-hmm. different experience. You know, mm-hmm. EDC is like you were saying, it's this mecca. It's going to this like 10 course restaurant with anything you could ever imagine. I mean, you could almost, I mean, totally different analogy, but like Cheesecake Factory, where it's got like a 20 page menu of anything and everything you could go see at any time, anywhere. Versus like finding a smaller, super niche festival where like every artist builds into the next artist that is this creation, this curation of like a perfect festival. Mm -hmm. And I feel like uh, those are starting to happen in the US now more days where before it feels like it was just like this global phenomenon. I'm holding out. I've I've actually never been, but I'm holding out for for Shambhalas to start booking Psytrance. They, they they used to like two thousand eight two thousand ten yeah and I mean, it's when EDM started around. blowing up you know they they yeah. went away from it a little bit yeah, yeah. have you guys so, ever been to Shams no going this year yeah really? we're, we're both yeah. going this year okay so, yeah. nice we'll, we'll report back yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went a couple of years ago it was it was phenomenal like yeah. one of the better spots in terms of like people's heard connection nothing but and the vibe. best yeah 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 and it's so close mm-hmm. just like mob just over the border in uh, yeah. eastern Washington it's pretty sweet I love those kinds of festivals I mean I've only been to Connection and Eclipse but there's something different about them. Like the, the way I described it is most concerts, most raves, they're just about the music. You know, you're, you're basically going to a concert. Those kinds of festivals are the full blown art experience. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody comes and dresses up how they want, right? That's art. People uh, come in and teach yoga classes, right? People teach uh, different sort of like lectures. They do workshops for people. It's basically them passing on knowledge, passing on some sort of art. And then the music is, you know, obviously a big part of that, but it's just one small part of it. Uh, there's the the art, the visual art of the stages, uh, all the interactive art sculptures. It's just really cool how it's basically a gathering of art and knowledge in a really, really like positive place. Yeah, and it's cool because you bring to the table either yourself, which is more than enough, right. or you bring something else to the table. Like I started getting into yoga and we've started bringing yoga to the festivals. Mm-hmm. And so that is is a cool entryway. But my other entryway that I would love to do is through producing music or DJing. And so um, it's definitely cool having that option to bring what you do. And obviously you guys do music well, even mm-hmm. though you've picked Psytrance at the moment and that kind of is your thing. Um, I think everyone tends to evolve and change in other ways. And who knows, you guys might. Uh, I, th- I think everything comes in cycles. 
And so it's like one style of music will be popular and then it'll be at the bottom of that cycle and Mm -hmm. no one will listen to it. And then five years later, it's like the new huge thing again. Um, So it's kind of like staying at the the forefront of -hmm. that cycle. So as long as you're kind of producing and working and doing what you're wanting to do, that soon enough, something new will kind of change a little bit and you'll start to like pick up that. Um, But yeah, so uh, how's everything else going? It's good, man. It's good. Yeah. Easy. Just just balancing, yeah, just balancing just like that nine to five life with, yeah. uh, you know, just getting into the studio as much as we can. We usually do like two to three days a week at this point, but. Uh, and less yeah, of man, the like, less of the late nights, staying up all night working. Or you still got those going on regularly. I still do. They, the they, they happen, man. It's hard to walk away from the studio when <laughs> the, the ideas are flowing. Yeah. And honestly, it's, it's a terrible habit because after like 12 o'clock, you aren't really that productive. Like at the moment, I'm like, oh yeah, this uh, this kick drum, like it's got a little too much, you know, in the 80 to 100 hertz range. Like the, the top of the click starts a little too low. The hi-hat's a little too loud. I could pan this. And then I, you know, I'm adjusting all these little things. Uh, and suddenly it's three o'clock and there really is no difference <laughs> in the song. And the worst part is sometimes I make it worse because my ears are shot at that time. Yep. It's just like being way too focused and uh, like into the track. Uh, at that time that makes me want to you know edit everything but in the end it's pretty unproductive yeah i'd like to think though that a lot of the um i guess improvement we've made in producing has come at that time even though it wasn't shown immediately but all that you know neurotic like uh focus eventually paid off (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. like like last night uh we were finishing up um uh uh, a remix of a song called nana by orchidea and Basically, it was done around like 1130. And I didn't go to bed until three because I spent a lot of time just tweaking the limiters, tweaking some of the compressors. I couldn't tell any difference at all. And I probably made it worse, but. <laughs> yeah, was, that's yeah. always tough, that that fresh outlook. It's always nice to be able to have a, a time or a spot where you can like get up and leave. Yeah. You got to give your ears. That I think that, that's have a timer. thing that we don't exercise as much <laughs> as we should, for sure. And I remember getting into like, producing like reading all the like you know successful artists like what are your main studio tips what can you tell people that are getting into it and like every single list one of them was like every hour hour and a half just get up and take 15 minutes mm-hmm. go do something else you know eat some food just like give your ears a break um we just don't do that we totally should yeah but like um but you know i mean it's it, when you're in the zone you're in the zone i know but i think something yeah. re- that's um especially lately that's something's kind of like really cool that's been born of like all the energy we put into producing is just we're starting to make connections with producers and basically like yeah producers and people with labels like around the world and it's just really cool i i think it's really cool the fact that like you know i mean as because of like a couple of years ago this like wouldn't have been happening but other than that like when you can like <laughs> have someone from a label like hit you up and be like hey uh we just there's a guy named tiago he goes by 4i20 this is producer name um and he runs alien records down in brazil um really big record label in south america uh we released a song byzantine on that label and he just hit us up you know to see if we wanted to collab with a guy named mandragora on his new album and we've never met either of these people and the fact that like someone like half a world away down in the southern hemisphere in brazil is just like reaching out to you to make these like these connections and then you like make a piece of music with someone from like far away. I just I think that's so fucking awesome. And being able to like uh yeah, just like connect in that way and like it always like amazes me that you can create a piece of music with someone having never met them in person 
it's kind of weird on one hand, but like it just like, yeah, I don't know. It's become the new norm though. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So when you guys are doing that, are you just like putting together the skeleton of a track, the arrangement and whatnot, and then like sending it off and then they do little edits to it? Like what's your process in terms of sharing music across mediums it's, and different DAWs? And right, right now there's no like formula. It's just we sit down and write something, kind of hammer in some of the hooks, the main ideas. And whenever we reach a good stopping point where we think that another producer could uh, put their ideas in, have some creative input, yeah, and cut it off there and send it over. It's different time to time, depending yeah. on the, the strengths of who you're who you're working with. You know, well, obviously, like you know what DAW you're in. I mean, we pretty much always like sending stems back and forth. But um, yeah, we we so we're, we we're like actually just like just starting. Um, the track with Mandagora. I'm probably going to do a track with this guy named Planet Six from Israel. It's just, I just think it's really great. And I love just can, being able to connect with someone like half a world away um, and just like share the stoke about a project and like have like the same ideas and then, um, you know, create something and then put that out to, you know, it's a, the, the whole collab thing is pretty prevalent in Psytrance. Like it's rare for me to see a song that was purely made by one producer. Hmm. It's crazy how many collabs there are out there. I don't know why. I mean, it's not as common in other scenes or genres, but in side trance, they love working with each other. Is that because there's less ghost producing in side trance? <laughs> that could be it. <laughs> less people that that's are actually, like. That's, yeah. a, that's, that's, that's a good point. That's an interesting yeah. point. Yeah. There's a lot of these songs that you hear um, in like EDM or even just trance, and trance especially. So they're, you know, there's engineers in the background making things sound good. There's a lot of ghost producers. Side trance, uh, I feel like if you become a good enough producer to make, you know, professional festival of Psytrance. You know, you, you, you loved the art of making Psytrance, so you're going to stick to that instead of being a ghost producer in the background. I'm sure there are, but I don't think it's nearly as uh, bad as the actual, like, you know, traditional trance scene. Where yeah. I know there's a lot of ghost producing going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's definitely important to get back to what you were saying about festivals like to crawl before you can walk or I guess walk before you can run in terms of playing bigger festivals but Definitely. that's why to me I ask like what is your dream because who knows maybe someone you know reads an interview with you or listens to this talk about this artist that you enjoy that you've been working with and they're like oh let's do more and these guys are dope let's have them down to a festival in Brazil mm -hmm. like in that global economy where you can share that stoke level with other people about what you're doing, it's that easy for someone to just send an email like, hey, you want to play this festival? Totally. And sometimes it's, you, you kind of got to be humbled by different scenarios. Mm -hmm. And like <laughs> you mentioned, like you didn't, you're not playing connection this year. Like that's happened to us before where you you expect to go teach at a festival this next year because mm -hmm. you did last year and you don't get invited back. Right. Like, what the fuck happened? You built some sort of personal relationship <laughs> yeah. where you have like that trust and they're like, oh no. Yeah. Like what happened? But it, I mean, it all comes down to business, right? But yeah. And that's the tough thing is that it, it's all a business and everyone's trying to make you know a living in their own way and they're right. trying to do what's right for their label or their brand or whatnot. Um, but yeah, now you guys have a, got a label and a brand that you have to take care of yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting there, man. We're getting there. <laughs> All right. So we're back in this bitch. <laughs> Sorry about that. Had a little card full oh, no. malfunction recording through a task game. <laughs> so what I was asking about was, uh, you guys having a brand now you guys are Demibo. Uh, how is that with two people running a brand? It's been good. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a constant learning process to go from like, because they're finally like started, like things are picking up and it used to be just like, it, you know, us in a bedroom, like didn't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. We were just like trying to get our music to the level where like people would give a shit. 
And now that like we put a, a couple tracks out and it's like, okay, we're, we're doing this. We have to like think about stuff we've never had to think about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a manager now, uh, his name's Joff and he's, he's fucking awesome. And he's, um, you know, helped us just like approach some of the business side of things. I think we still have like a long ways to go as far as like taking on all the responsibilities that come with like a mm-hmm. running a, a successful brand. Um, it's, it's just kind of like a learn as you go process, you know, but, uh, there, there's a lot to do with, uh, managing your image in a lot of ways, right? Knowing, uh, how you sound like on social media, what, what you post and how that, how people read that. It's super important. And like, those are things we've been thinking about and how we want to present ourselves to the public, what kind of uh, image, you know, we want to put out there and not just like the, the visual branding, but you know, who we are as people, what we um, kind of uh, provide as artists to the scene. Something that we, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's almost done. It's in the works right now, but an example is, so like right now our profile picture, it's just like, we kind of just went the regular route of like cool guy DJ look, yeah. you know, we're both cool there. Euro DJs. Yeah. Like kind you know, just like duck face, steely eyed, black and white. Totally dude. You know, just like music it, is a serious business. It's, like, man. It's, it's totally like the, the DJ look. And then we were looking at our profile picture. I was like, well, dude, like one, I want people to, to, if they come to our page, be like, Hey, these are two easygoing dudes making like music that doesn't like take itself too seriously like we, we want to be like oh like these are guys we'd like to like hang out with and like have fun with or i don't know and so when we we hired this like digital artist and he's doing like a um cartoon kind of like comic rendition of us for our profile nice. picture so it's stuff like that though like you, you take a step back and be like are we really like you know like the black jacket you know cool guy djs or it's like you want to do something a little different to set you aside that's the techno scene i mean we we kind of used to be like that like i want to be the stoic dj you know just goes up and plays music and presents then um uh, i think moment i oh i went to the eclipse festival and like coming out of that i was like dude all these djs just like dress up however and like are express themselves in cool ways and the guy that really like was just amazing to watch play it was a two o'clock in the morning and uh it was a DJ Tristan who's Tristan. D- I've Tristan. never heard DJ Tristan. Oh, uh, dude, he does like 145 BPM full on stuff. Got so it. the late night side trance. Yeah. Um, it's night and you know, it was probably like 50 degrees or something. He's up on stage wearing just shorts and a completely shirtless. He's got a long hair, got a big smile on his face and in between mixing tracks, he's just like waving his arms around and just dancing and having a great time. And it just fit in so well with the vibe of his music because it's so fun and energetic. And he didn't care if it was 2 a.m. or anything. It was cold. Like he just, he was, you know, had this energy and he was displaying it for everybody. And I was like, dude, this guy is the coolest man I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> right? He's like mid 40s or something, like just having a great time. And I saw them like, damn, like I want to just, you know, be somebody who expresses myself. And, you know, the Demibo brand could be an avenue for me to just do, you know, be creative and artsy. Yeah, people want to know that you're just as stoked about your music as they are about your mm-hmm. music. And that really seems to shine through. And I was going to say earlier, it's like you definitely need people that are helping you out. Like now that you have a manager, like you'll start to find more and more. Like we've had to do this with our yoga world is we've had to get people to help us. We mm-hmm. have someone that helps us with social media. We have someone that helps us with our email stuff. Like you you need those assistance in different ways once you start actually building that brand. Um, cause yeah, who the fuck would have known that you had to like 
be super focused upon your appearance on social media. Right. Like you're like, oh, before it was like, oh, this is just my side thing that I produce music. So it can just be me posting as myself on my social media with it. But now you're like, now you have to like actually showcase something because that thing is being showcased to the entire world. And that how someone sees your Snapchat, or I guess not Snapchat, I will say Instagram story, that could be someone from Brazil that is looking to book you for a gig and they're like, I want to see if these guys are normal dudes mm -hmm. or if they're these, you know, stoic black tie like DJs that are just standing up there not having fun. Oh, I feel like we're in a bit of a transition phase in who we are as people and how that relates to our music. I uh, find myself oftentimes uh, describing myself as part of the Demibo brand as opposed to an individual outside of that. Okay. So, it, but right now it's it's tough because you're tempted to use your personal relationships, your friends, as a way to help boost you up, right? Uh, to to help the Demibo brand. But in the long run, like once you make it, you don't really need that as a boost anymore. And I see that in myself. I'm like I don't want to be Demibo. I'm still Philip, right? And I yeah. do Demibo. That's like you know my career. Like you don't go around uh, describing people as oh hey here's my friend Jim. He's a uh, an engineer. Like that's you know, he, I describe him as engineer. That's his entire personality, right? I don't want to be somebody like that. So it's kind of a struggle though, because you still have to, you know, as a person, as an individual, have to participate in that brand and put on that image, both on your personal Facebook, you know, personal Twitter, personal Instagram, as well as the Demibo one, because you're at such an early stage that, you know, you don't have much to work with. So everything that you do have, you're trying to make it to work for you. But it yeah. sucks because in the long run, I'm like, that's not who I am. I'm still an individual. I am not the music. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's just the same learning curve. It's the same learning curve as you learning something about, you know, your DAW. Like as you're learning it, mm -hmm. things evolve and grow and you start to figure out exactly how you're going to do it. But definitely along the way, it's super helpful. I guess we'll use an example to have like Brennan to be able to help you with like, oh, this is a new VST. Like, oh, this is a new way to do this. Here's a mm -hmm. new style. So having someone come on as like a manager, like they have some experience with something else or getting a social media marketing person that can help you. But you're right at that transition phase where you're at now, it's like, it's trying to separate these two while also being the same. Yeah. Also, I just want to give a shout out to Locke for being the best PR dude that there is. He nails down some of the <laughs> sickest posts of our Instagram. I'm so lazy about it. I'll do a story once in a while. Like, here I am in the studio. <laughs> and Locke comes up with these cool little ideas. So, That's no, awesome. I mean, but, you know, he's taking up everybody. some of that work, man. <laughs> just, <laughs> I, just I, I can't do it. <laughs> so, in terms of like other cool little ideas regarding social media, the one that stands out for me that was super cool to see was on that track you guys did where you all stood in your bedrooms and you guys mm -hmm. chanted. Uh, oh yeah, Jungle Rock. For anyone who hasn't seen that, their track Jungle Rock got what, like four different guys <laughs> to hang out in a bedroom studio and chant while just kicking it. And it turned out to be these awesome vocals that like really get you amped up. And to see the like process behind that was so cool. How'd you come up with that kind of an idea? So basically... Oh, jungle rock is dear to my heart because i'm gonna step back a few steps um i'm a huge it's gonna be like left field i'm a huge jackie chan fan oh. like all his like old movies that are just like pretty bad but just you know those like b production like late 90s jackie chan movies uh and there's one called who am i again not a great movie but just like grew <laughs> up with it dear to my heart um and he he crash lands and um in the jungle in Africa, in the Congo, and this tribe takes him in. And basically they have this like epic chant mantra that's in this movie. Um, and I just, it's always been like me and my brother would always like chant it to each other from our childhood. And he recently like belted it out to me and it just like, 
I heard it for the first time since like being a Psytrance producer. And it was like on tempo, like everything was dialed in about this, like this chant from this like super obscure movie. And so I went back and like, I found some like crappy YouTube clips of this chant and realized that it, it could work over like a Psytrance beat. And so basically I wanted to, to recreate that, but we had to have something better to work with. And also I didn't just want to like rip the chant from the movie. Like yeah. I wanted it to be like our own thing that we'd made. Um, and so Brendan, I talked to him, I was like, can we do this? He's like, oh yeah. He's like, let's just get my roommates. This is when we produced over at his house. He's like, let's get my roommates as they come home, you know, we'll get them drunk. So they're just down <laughs> and then I'll set up a mic in the middle of the room and then we'll all stand around it and just, just belt this chant out. And so we'll kind of get that like crowd vocal, you know, like the multiple voices and then we'll do individual takes. So we did, we all stood around, um, and uh, it, it was just beautiful. His roommates would come home from their like respective jobs and he'd be like, hey, come in here. Like, we're going to record you. And they'd all be like, what the fuck? No, I can't sing. Are you kidding me? I was like, doesn't matter. You just got to yell. Um, and we got these guys and they're always like us producing music. It always kind of like been in their face because we're always like there working on music. And for them, it was like just the thing that we're doing in the other room. And so it was great to just like involve everybody. And we just got like a group of guys. Um, and stood around and like belted this chant out, got individual takes, um, and uh, and it came out just dialed. And Brennan helped like just mix it down and made it sound, you know, by the end it sounded like this just like epic African tribe like war chant. And we'd like made it, you know, from scratch. Um, and then kind of a, a, the flip side of that was we hit up Armada who ended up signing the track. Um, and after they were like, we're down to sign it, I was like, okay, well, one thing is we may have to clear this chant through like lord knows what production company from this like jackie chan movie from 20 years ago you know like the the production company that made the movie doesn't even exist anymore like super like deep in the mix um but yeah we, we clear we cleared the chant and because we made it ourselves it was like our own recording so we own the master to it so um it ended up being fine and it was just uh like a great a great full circle thing like my goal is if someone heard that song in like an audience somewhere and it came on and they'd like somehow seen that movie and they were like oh my god is this from who am i that old jackie chan movie like the worst movie but it's just great and, uh, and on one of the youtube posts on armada posted the song on their um youtube channel and someone comments and they're like dot 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 Jackie Chan and I was just like, yes, <laughs> yes yes we've made it so that's so awesome that was just like a great full circle for me <laughs> like oh I love that yeah, yeah it was super fun I love that easter eggs are kind of like that awesome thing to exactly have. yes like, I mean what's that new movie ready player one I haven't seen it but that just came out and apparently it has like hundreds of easter eggs from like 80s and before like video games and everything and I think our our um generation is super into these easter eggs little mm -hmm. stuff that you're like totally. oh shit I, I recognize that what's that from it's exactly. like, oh that's that movie or that quote from that thing and it's like that person will always be like you're, you're like burned into their brain it's like oh yeah this, this group Demibo. like i heard their song and like yeah. it just like it's i don't know so it's super like niche market for it but anyway that was a really fun one to like make come to fruition and then we made like a, it was kind of a crappy video but a little video of us chanting in the bedroom and then um uh, this producer named Zanon, he was playing in Brazil and he played it at this like super epic looking club. And it was cool. To, so it was like one frame of us just like in like, you know, just a bedroom, just 20 some dude bedroom, like, you know, Kramer poster on the wall, what have you. <laughs> and then like cut to just epic Brazilian club. 
And it's just like, what, Chananayo? Everybody in the crowd is losing it and it drops. And it's just like, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's like what we're trying to show to like anybody who's down to like check out our stuff is that like it's not making music doesn't have to be this like exclusive, like, you know, private jets and like exclusive studios and like this unattainable thing. It's, it's, not, like, it's we're, not glamorous. Yeah. We're a couple 20 some guys like having fun, one, doing something we love. And like, if you really love this, you could totally do it too. Or if you're not into it, just like check out our stuff and have fun, you know, being like, hey, these are these are just some dudes here. It's not like, you know, fucking Marshmallow and 20 million followers and who is he and like, you know, like <laughs> private jets and whatever. It's just yeah. like, so anyway, yeah. it's the, that, that was like a fun little thing to. I think one part of that that was cool is just seeing how something so low key and fun uh, could go to being, you know, a track like that. Like the video, the way it cuts, it's like, oh yeah, here's these guys chanting, you know. Sounds kind of okay, and then suddenly, boom! Big speakers, big festival. Everybody's getting down to it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so to bring it back all the way to humble beginnings, uh, you were talking about your brother, and you guys used to watch that, and you guys grew up in the San Juan Islands, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that was that was always like a, a happy place for me. We we had a boat that we kept in Roche Harbor for a long time, and so oh, yeah, dude, being up in the islands is definitely. Uh, a spot and so we also kind of talked about you know taking like a 10 minute break while you're producing do you feel like on, a, on an extended term going onto a trip up into the islands kind of like rejuvenates you oh dude it's it's like the reset the full reset um both my my folks still live up there um i don't get there as often as i should for living like not too far away but um yeah man the, I, I still philip hasn't been up to i was just gonna ask if he's Friday been up there no can we? No, not I'm, with Locke. I'm slacking. Yeah, not, not with me. Just sorry. like do a trip and get up there. Yeah, yeah, we, we <laughs> yeah. I think we were talking should. about doing it this summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're overdue. But yeah, man, it's. I mean, it's just like a incredible place to like have close by. Um, the whole know. coast. I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I love the San Juans, but just the whole coast in general is fantastic. In the summer, I try to make it out to either the San Juans or the Olympic Coast, you know, once or twice. So, where are you from? Originally Slovakia. Slovakia. Yeah. So you were born in Slovakia? I was born in Slovakia. Oh. Um, right, right, before, uh, right before it actually became Slovakia, because it was Czechoslovakia beforehand. Yeah. Um, broken in Slovakia, and then uh, when I was three, uh, made my way over here with my parents. And then I grew up just uh, over in Redmond, basically where we are. Nice. Stones throw away. Yeah. You know, honestly, something that I love since I've got to know Phil is like, it's, it's I don't know, I've never really had like time on the east side and like it's i just like you know redmond always i knew it's over there i've always like lived in seattle but it's like it's an bougie island suburban land well yeah but it's no it's been nice man just to like get to know like where uh and you know over here like where you're from as well like woodenville and redmond's you know it's it's you know? nice having this area out here because my, my parents still live here and you know living in the city just drains me a lot a lot of concrete a lot of uh a lot of external stimulation constantly that's overwhelming so you come out here it's dead quiet, right? You can just go to the park. There aren't other people in the park. It's just you. <laughs> right? You go to Seattle, you're walking by hundreds of joggers. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a really chill place. And I loved having the studio here before because we used to take those breaks. We'd go out and, you know, play some catch, go on a walk through the woods. And that was totally rejuvenating. In Seattle, it's a little tougher. I mean, there's we're next to Fred Meyer in Greenwood now. So, so you can go get food. <laughs> out there now. Yeah, we're out there now. And it, we, we've got a good setup now. And... Yeah. yeah, it is nice. We're making it nicer too. It's yeah, cool. yeah, we're adding some art to it, making it look interesting. Not quite as dialed as this, but we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah that's professional we put a lot of work into this it was just one of those things like i always tell people the the way we set this studio up was every dime that we made from djing we put right back into this mm. so my goal was oh, like yeah. how do i get as many gigs as possible so we can put as much money into our bank account so that we can buy more stuff to build a studio um and it wasn't actually here before like all the acoustics our table our monitors and everything were all set up in our different spot in redmond um and then dave moved to chicago and we just needed a spot to put it so we built this you know in my parents warehouse and it's kind of a it's kind of a funny setup because it's my little like special place and if you walk outside it's just mayhem chaos outside <laughs> of here just so much random stuff from a family's lifetime of collecting nonsense it's kind of awesome though dude i mean like walking in i'm just like wide-eyed and like looking at every you know yeah. you have like such a usual spot you know? <laughs> it really is it's funny bringing people in here that like who i don't know personally to come on the podcast and they come like walking through here and oh like, that's great yeah, yeah for people listening I, we walked by like an industrial cider press on the way in jordan showed me how it works <laughs> like it's very it's, it's very cool it's, it's a very beautiful it's a very too. eclectic <laughs> yeah, property totally. yeah it's totally. pretty sweet um but yeah it's 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 fun to be able to have a spot where you can come down and get lost in you know, for hours on end Absolutely. producing. Um, unfortunately, I'm not quite at that level of knowing enough of what I'm doing to be able to put out a track, but I still spend my time down here and it's it's nice to have your little like solace. Yeah, um, the introvert cave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dave always, always used to call it a hermit cave. Hermit cave, so yeah. Like, yeah going to hermit up. And that's kind of why <laughs> we like living out here too because you mentioned living in Seattle is just kind of chaos. And I think there's mm. a certain personality type that loves it. And part of me is like, I would love it because I could just like go out to a show and Uber home. But for me, it's like I have to go out and like either A, have one or two drinks and nothing more or like don't drink at all so I can drive myself there and back 30 minutes. But if you live in Seattle, you're like, oh, I can just hop in a five minute Uber and get home. Um, it is, that is nice. But but I do like having the solace of like being away from everything and kind of being a hermit. But mm -hmm. also like that's what's cool about Redmond. It's not that far away from Seattle no. overall. Yeah, you get a mix of everything. You get your wineries, you get uh, you know, some woods, some parks, then you get downtown, and then 20 minutes away is Seattle. Yeah, so your guys' new studio, um, is that at a house? And is it like one of your bedrooms, or is it like you guys have a specific so studio? It's not, so it's not a bedroom. Yeah, we're not bedroom, studio, we're not bedroom producers <laughs> anymore. The world, we're um, evolving. We're den producers. <laughs> exactly. Nice <laughs> word, dude. Den. 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 People don't. Yeah. People don't that, have that, that's dens what, that, anymore. That's what we have down there. It's, yeah, it's a den. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like a living room, but not really. It's a little more cozy, small. Yeah. I think dens need to make a comeback. Like, yeah. you know, the quintessential '70s den with like shag carpet and like you know. So down. Yeah. Oh man. Video games. Yeah, a lost art. Totally. Where I played a lot of Halo, right? Yeah, so I've uh, if I had better internet, I've talked a lot about replacing that and like mounting a big like sixty inch monitor oh, and having that yeah, to work as like a separate screen where I could throw like my mixer up there or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then also just having like a couple chairs that couch was in here and like setting up and having like gaming set up in here. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have very much less than ideal internet. I think I got like five megabits per second down here, which Ooh, is absolutely yeah. nothing. That's archaic. But in its own yeah. way, it's kind of nice because anything I do down here, I don't have access to internet. Yeah. So I get to like zone myself in here and yeah. just like put in the work. Um, so like various other stuff, I'll like download a YouTube video and then like watch it on my phone or like put everything on like a USB stick and transfer <laughs> it out to post on a different computer mm -hmm. of mine, which kind of adds extra work. But it's kind of nice because you get to actually turn off. 
Because I think mm-hmm. like you were talking about, if you're managing all your social media for yourself and for your brand, and then you're also trying to get work done, like it's hard to like turn off that other side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's easy to have like, you know, the Instagram or the Facebook tab open, just like checking on how stuff's doing. But. Yeah, it can be a little distracting sometimes. It pops up. Yeah. Taking away what's from what's nice music. about, um, you know, producing as a partner, like, one person but we basically have like the the computer setup is like obviously like one person at a time is working so like i can be you know jamming on social media or like other ideas on my computer and phil can just be like dialed in in the zone like he always is and then we'll tap out and um i think something that that can't be understated too about working with a partner like philip is the fact that neither of us um are stepping on each other's toes as far as producing. Like it's, it's really nice. Like I remember like trying before we met and like, you know, we, I'd try to work with people and like, you know, you do something and then hop in and be like, Oh yeah, well it's cool. Let me just like do it different or have a different idea for like exactly what you made. But like the, the, why we work so well together is like Phil will just, you know, we each have our strengths and we know what those are and like the roles that um, each of us play in a song and like, you know, just like the tap out. It's like, all right, bam, like get in there and like, you know, and at the same time, when there is like some sort of conflict there, like we have disagreeing ideas, we both try to, you know, compromise or manage it yeah, or just yeah, be totally. honest with it. Like, hey, well, we're just not going to touch that now. Give it a few days, listen to both uh, versions of it and see which one works better. And sometimes, you know, uh, over the course of writing a track, we might choose one, uh, I guess, part. And then later on, we finish the track, we realize, oh, it doesn't really fit anymore. Let's go back with your idea. So it's, you yeah. know, there's no real formula for how we work together. It's pretty um, fluid. Mm-hmm. But in general, you know, we we're pretty like, aware of how that you know relationship works. Yeah, because Locke, we've been friends for a while, so I know you had some not so ideal experiences with other producers in other ways. That not, I'm not saying anything was like you know super negative, but there's times where you just don't feel like things quite worked out. Like we yeah. had hung out a few times and kind of talked producing and whatnot. Um, and you had mentioned a few things, and so uh, I was wondering, Phil, did you? have any experiences working with other producers along the way before you met with Locke that were positive or negative or just kind of like learning experiences? I don't think I've had any negative experiences. When I started producing, um, I had a friend, Alex, who basically got me up and running. He showed me a lot of uh, how to use Ableton, how, how certain things work. And I worked with him a little bit. We never really finished any songs together. Uh, the other producer I worked with a lot uh, before Locke was Brennan. I mean, me and him initially were Demibo. Locke was uh, the addition to it. <laughs> third wheel. <laughs> third so wheel, yeah. Um, he, he took took <laughs> Brennan's girl. <laughs> hey, man, don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we're, I mean, working with Brennan was great. I mean, we, we put out a couple songs together and we had like this whole Electro House, like Melbourne House vibe going. Um so no, that, that was all positive. And I still work with a few other producers. Sometimes just, you know, let's be creative. Let's put something together. And it's generally pretty good. But, you know, haven't really put out anything else with anyone. Okay. Yeah, because I know there's there's always experiences where someone feels like they're giving a lot and the other person's not putting anything back in. Mm-hmm. And so I think we kind of had talked about that in a previous situation where you felt like someone wasn't exactly putting in enough work to make it worthwhile to be a partnership. Cause then you're like, wait, I can do this on my own. Like what exactly are you bringing to the table that is more than that? So I think that's important to have that connection that it sounds like you guys have. Yeah, totally. Nice. And I think it's like, I mean, we've been like making like side trances to Mebo for what, like 
two and a half years. Yeah, like yeah. two, two and a half years. But um, I mean, we've been producing together for what is it? Five, five. five? Yeah, I've been producing for seven, and then yeah, yeah. Maybe we two years later. Exactly, and so like I mean, it's cool to just you know I'm 29, um, and like a couple years older than Phil, but like we were both super different people when we met each other. So it's been like, it's just been great to like grow as producers, find our sound. And like, you know, I mean, like I'm like an old man now and Phil goes out all the time. Like he's the cool guy around town. <laughs> he's, dude, I'm telling you, he's out and about. And it's just like, I mean, it's, it's just been great to like, you know, have our sound evolve and find where we want to be and the, the music that we want to make, but also just kind of like grow up a little bit, you know, cause mm-hmm. nobody's the same person at the end of their twenties that they were at 21, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, that's been that's been really fun. It's super interesting watching that that shift in individuals because I know um, I don't remember how old we were when you and I first met. I think we were back at like twenty three or something like that. So yeah, it was, it was before you guys were producing together. And yeah. um, I remember talking to you about a couple different situations. And back then, like in my opinion, like you were one of the you were like that cool dude, and <laughs> you like opened before which guy was it dude, uh, Alesso Alesso, Alesso, at, the Alesso market. at market dude. yeah and I just recently played my first market show and I remember like you were that like person I was like holy shit like dude Locke played that like oh I could <laughs> totally play Showbox someday and uh yeah because you had your hand as a DJ you used to DJ mm. all the time back in the day yeah yeah and so like when did that start for you uh I mean basically it was kind of like at the at the end of um of school. I went to Seattle U, kind of at the end of of college, when like myself and our you know people in our friend group were turning twenty one. I started like throwing shows um at like this this bar called the Chieftain, and like it was when everybody was like sick of house parties and they just wanted to like go to a bar and just like rage, and so like I kind of like filled that niche and like. I was just playing like just like the worst EDM, just straight EDM. But that's when that that was like the thing, you know. People like big room house, dude. People had no reference point for like the finer things in yep. electronic music. It was just like slam out some like Dada Life and Avicii, and like I mean, Dada Life's kind of fucking awesome. But you know, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, for sure. and so like I just like I from there I kind of worked into like the the local DJ scene, and all of a sudden I was like DJing, and then at the time I was like. I working on being a producer, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't have a sound. Um, and then, yeah, I started working with the USC a little bit and, and got some really cool gigs, you know, opened up at foundation and stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, played the market. That was back when I just went by, by Lock Stimson. And then, you know, we met somewhere around there and I was like, I don't know. I, <laughs> I want to do this as a career. And I feel like it's really easy to get hooked into just being, local support and get being like pigeonholed as such. Yeah, people started viewing you as that. Yeah. And I was like, you know, and then we, we pretty much just dropped off the map as far as playing out. Um, and we're just like, you know, we went into the cave, the proverbial, you mm-hmm. know, cave. We just like, um, and I was like, I don't want to be playing shows locally unless it's like as, as a person who like is an artist as opposed to just like a, a mm-hmm. local, a local guy who will send out Facebook invites or whatever. And that, that, that's part of the, I guess, image upkeep. It's like, we, we are tempted to play. We do want to play shows, but we try to keep it to a minimum of maybe like three or four over the course of a year and like save those for more special occasions. Just because if you're playing every other weekend, you know, people have seen you. Um, people people you know, get used to you and then they start viewing you as that local support, which, I mean, if you're playing that often, that's what you yeah. are, right? To which yourself. I, right? I, I want to say is, is fine. I'm not here, yeah, like, totally, talking shit about totally. that. I just, I, I had something else in mind for what I wanted to do. And, yeah. and so we kind of just like, we took that. We're, we're all in. We want to be producers that get paid to play at festivals, right? Yeah. 
Uh, that's what we want to become. So that's how we got to treat ourselves. So, I mean, some of the bookings we have coming up, I mean, they're kind of special to us. They're really exciting. I can't really talk about them yet because they're not announced, but got it. They're, um, you know, they're fun. I mean, for example, like three years ago, we uh, got booked at Contour and it was our first time ever, you know, being billed as like the artist that's playing at a show. And we had all of our friends show up and it was really, really cool to see like that many people come to a show that we're playing. Like my mom, my mom came. <laughs> I love it, dude. And my, I love it when my mom comes. It's so great. My, my favorite memory so personally from that show was um, I was still in school and I was writing an essay at the club up until maybe 20 minutes before we played while also trying to uh, set up the drum racks because we we're doing like some like live drumming and piano with it. I was still trying to set up those racks at the same time. So it was a mix of me like, you know, making sure I have all the songs ready to DJ, writing up an essay that's due tonight, and then like getting some of this stuff ready. And it was on my old like slow laptop, and that was that was it's the worst. I, yeah, I, I don't miss right that now. at all. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I was gonna ask is like DJing wise for you was was DJing ever part of your thing? Like, did you ever DJ before you got into producing, or did you know like right off the bat you're like I want to be a producer, not a DJ? Yeah, I I started off completely producing. I DJed uh, at a what's it called El Corazon once. And my friends were like a pop band and I kind of DJed uh, the music behind them. And then I didn't do anything for about two, three years until uh, me and uh, my good friend at the, the frat I was in, we bought an S4 and started messing around with it. And, uh, you know, just played some tech house. And then, you know, some nights, you know, we'd get drunk and go downstairs where everybody's partying and like plug in and mix terribly. <laughs> so th- that was my DJing experience before doing anything, you know, at clubs. And then uh, when Brennan and I were working together, we started playing at like volume. Um, this is a little like lounge called Limelight in the U District. We played at uh, played at Trinity, um, and that's when we were just playing, you know, big room yeah. electro. Yeah, and then when you guys were getting your trance thing, I remember I got you guys to get a cue. Um, oh yeah, dude, before that, that Arctic Moon show, that was uh, that was actually like. That was fun, dude. Yeah, we didn't even know what Psytrance was yet. We still played it. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember from that show. Oh, man. Uh, we played Elements by Jason Ross, and I was so amped on it. Oh. Yeah, and um, <laughs> for whatever reason, the master was down, but the booth was cranked. And so I couldn't <laughs> tell. I mean, Q's got a really nice, the, those um, function booth monitors. Uh-huh. They're really nice. So I was in the little sound bubble, mm-hmm. and the room was quiet. And I remember you, Jordan, you hopped up. Do you remember that? You hopped yep. up on the back of the mixer. You looked at me. You just took the master and fucking cranked it up. Gave me the thumbs up sign. Yeah. Yeah. Good uh, times. Was, yeah. A little embarrassing because to us it was like a big drop. Backs, dude. Homies having each other's backs. Dude, I know that feeling when you're up there and you're just so lost in it. And then, yeah, like I played totally. a show last weekend and Samaha came up and he's like, dude, you should definitely turn it up a little bit more. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, cool. <laughs> you're up there, you got the yeah, booth going. It. You're just like, yeah. Funny story though, I've done that twice at Lucky Festival. <laughs> two different times being at Lucky and there's an artist playing and it was like, I think there was two or three years in between the first time and another time that it happened. But the headliner went up. There was there was one that was like two or three years ago at Lucky and it was a bunch of Psytrance people. And I remember seeing you there 
Phil. And who was it? Was it Neelix? It was Neelix. Mm-hmm. And Neelix goes on. And I don't know, like, what he had set up there. But, like, the sound was super fucking quiet. And, like, everyone was looking around talking. They're like, dude, like, why is this so quiet? Like, the last headliner was great. So I, like, went back and talked to the stage manager. I was like, dude, it's really quiet out there. Can you go up and check the sound levels? And I have a personal relationship with him from, like, we had played Lucky Festival. Like, I worked with USC. And he's like, all right, sure. He walks up on stage and looks at me and goes, yeah. And then just cranks it up. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so it was that great feeling where I was like, why the fuck is it so quiet? Like, I can't hear anything. But, yeah, got to stick together. we should just bring jordan on all of our tours and be like the guy who audits the sound guys stands there's like yo these guys got to be louder like dude i'm totally messing around i'm totally down for adventures um it's funny coming full circle on that though because i specifically remember it was elements because i I love that it's just got like that that early jason ross just kind of like big room and juna drop um, and we actually just finished a remix of Elements for Jason like a, a couple weeks ago. Yep. Um, and uh, and so it's cool because it's I've, I've always loved that track. And we hit him up kind of like, I was like, hey, now that like we're making like proper sigh. Um, and that song's in triplets, which is like pretty uncommon for any like 128 BPM, like progressive trance and Juno style song. Um, and I just had this vision in my mind and I hit him up. I was like, yo, could we have a shot at remixing elements? It's always been one of my favorites of yours. Um, and he was like, yeah, dude. And so he tossed us like the, the clean acapella vocal and yeah, we put together like a really, a really cool remix of it. That's just like, you know, it's not over the top. It's just like dialed triplet side trance mm-hmm. remix. Um, kind of takes the same structure, but changes up the beat and the sounds. Yeah. And yeah. It's cool to work with Jason or like do a, a remix for one of his tracks because he back in the day way back in the day when i was first starting producing i was like asking on some forums about how to get like cool vocals and he like gave me some good advice um you know and just like i hadn't met him until recently but just like having like a producer homie from back in the day and he like totally made it and is just like crushing at energy and beats and like found his sound and found his like his everything and so like being able to like circle back around and be like hey could we take a shot at remixing a track of yours and, and doing that was pretty cool um Remember, uh, you show me Burma, uh, yeah. his song from way back. It was like on Enhanced or something during a studio session. You're like, hey, dude, check out this guy. And then that's crazy. Like two, three years later, he's on Anjuna. He's on yeah. the main like touring circuit with Killer. them. Yeah. So Yeah, I remember you told us about Jason Ross too. You're like, yeah. this guy I know. And Dave was like, yeah, I think I might have heard of him once or twice. <laughs> yeah. Jason, he's the man. But yeah, um, uh, if you end up making it to Chronicles, the May 12th, the, the show Seven Lines is putting on. Um, you may or may not hear our yeah, Might get a little oh, debut. You may or may not. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sweet. Intense. So that hasn't been played out anywhere. No, uh, not yet. No, anywhere big, but I'd, he has been playing at some small shows. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, getting yeah. a, yeah, Down giving it a trial run. He played it a little bit, but um, okay. anyway. We got a tiny bit of work to do just to make sure it does sound good on a big system. Yeah. So in terms of um, talking about local support, like I totally understand that whole idea of wanting to become a producer almost solely for the reason of breaking out beyond being mm-hmm. the local support. Um, do you guys think that there are other ways you can start to get gigs outside of Seattle based that may not be, you know, your big festival or whatnot, but you're still playing like other shows. Cause I know there's a lot of people that'll say come through foundation and it'll be like two different people from the same label that'll play together. And so it's like a quote unquote dual headliner. Mm-hmm. Have you guys thought about kind of trying to incorporate that in with different relationships with people seeing if you can like travel as a quote unquote support for someone that is more than just a local support. So here's part of the struggle of being in Seattle. Um, California has a really good side trance scene, at least 
compared to the rest of America. There's a lot of small parties out in the desert, on the forest. Uh, there's um, promoters like Pulsar, uh, Pulse SF, SciTribe uh, running shows out there. And we can't really make it out to those because we're up here and that's a lot of money to go down to meet some of these people. And we, you know, it'd be really awesome to play some of these outdoor parties, but we got to build a personal relationship first. And we're having trouble with that, right? We're up here. Um, we, we, more, our site trance is a little bit more mainstream, so it hasn't really caught their eye yet. Got it. So, yeah, because sometimes, like you said, with a, a global market, and you guys have a, a social media that people can kind of follow you on. Do you guys have a website set up? Uh, the, the skeleton of one. Yeah, Just it's, to it's, guys, not, guys, it's not, it's not yeah. dialed in yet, but you know, they take Links, a while. Yeah. Totally understand. <laughs> we we took a while to get ours up too for our gravity lift one, so I totally understand. Um, that's kind of an, another nice way to have like a, a landing page where someone can see something about you. But in this global economy, like you mm. were talking about, Locke, it's it's fairly doable to be able to just like send a message to someone and be like, hey, yeah. you know, what do you think? Um, and sometimes that will constitute you having to pay for your flight down to California. Um, but could be totally worth it to create mm -hmm. that environment, even if you are, a, you know, support early at a festival or something. Those can be kind of cool relationships to start to garner. Yeah. The what Tiago was saying about um, working with Mandragora, because I've, I've been asking uh, Tiago, our, our friend in Brazil, uh, you know, like Brazil is a market that's just like explode, like, you know, massive Psytrance market. And we'd love to get down there. He's like, yeah, we literally just have to like get people to know who you are. And so part of that is through putting out tracks, um, you know, and just building up those plays and follows and Facebook likes and all that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And then working with artists down there. So, you know, doing collabs with, with people in that scene that are big um, is a big way to get into that market. So, yeah, just kind of trying to hit it from all angles, but which know. which I think is the perfect way to do it because you kind of have to build a platform. Everyone kind of sees an artist as like, oh, that artist suddenly came up out of nowhere, and like mm -hmm. even like DJ Mag and stuff has like, oh, breakthrough artist of the year, and it's like that's a better way to describe it is breakthrough mm -hmm. because these people have a following, they have people that love them, they put out songs for years, and then there's finally like one thing that just like flips the switch. And then like, all what of a sudden, is that? Like Malcolm Gladwell tipping point. Yes. Tipping point, yeah. Yes. You know, that is a fantastic that, book that pushes it over. Yeah. yeah. And so that's kind of where it's, you know, you got to hit it from all angles so that eventually one of those things clicks mm -hmm. and then you've got your tipping point and then things just kind of skyrocket from there. Yeah. Yeah. You got to constantly remember that there's the breakthrough, but before that came a lot of work. Sometimes, you know, we were here year seven of you know, producing music, about year three of doing side trance. And out of nowhere, you know, there's this like 19-year-old who blows up and you're like, what? How, how did, you know, what kind of God-given like, talent were you given to do this? But then, you know, a few years later, once they have their own Wikipedia, you read back, oh, they've been like studying like music since they're five and like start producing where they're 10. You know, there's a lot of work to be done. So sometimes it can be discouraging because you're like, we haven't gone as far as, you know, we'd like to. But then you like look back at all the steps we've taken and, we're, and you know, the grand scheme of things, and you still got to be happy with it. I mean, we went through three different, four different styles to finally get to what we wanted to do. And we're constantly improving. Yeah. I got the opportunity to do artist transportation for Jeremy Olander a few years back. And Dave uh, got in the car with me and we were driving and Dave was asking him a bunch of questions, just grilling him. It was really fun. <laughs> but uh, one of the things just like about like different production techniques and whatnot, but it was really funny because one of the things he said, he's like, it takes 10 years. He's like, it took me 10 years of producing all the time of wanting to give up several different times before this guy named Eric Prids found my shit. It's <laughs> like, oh yeah, this guy's dope. It's like there. And um, I think that's another Malcolm Gladwell one, like the 10,000 hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So is that the same book? I think that's the same book. 
um, talking about how it takes 10,000 hours to master something. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, 10 years or 10,000 hours is kind of one of those things. And it seems to be that 10 year mark. Yeah. It's not, you know, a hard rule at any point you could put in more work early or less, but overall it seems to be, that's a kind of a, a solid point to know that around that time things will start to kick off if you've put in the work. Mm -hmm. And I think you guys are at that point where you're continuing to put in the work. And so, um, you just got to keep your chin up. And and then the other key thing that always seems to be told to me by other DJs when I talk to them is like, you got to stay humble because mm -hmm. in this day and age, like you can fall so fast. Mm -hmm. It takes one false social media post of something that makes someone else angry and suddenly like you're gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One, one yeah. public blunder. And yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah. Who is that artist? Like 10 walls or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. He made like an anti... It was like a, some super homophobic post. It's like, it's like homophobic or anti-Semitic. I don't know yeah, exactly okay, what it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Might have been both. Who fucking knows? But yeah. like the dude said it and like his career was over. Yeah, And like he's trying to slowly build it back up. But like he released a new album last year and like a bunch of people posted all over social media being like, nope, sorry. Like not <laughs> going to happen. You're not allowed back You're in. You're gone. Yeah. yeah, there's like a... Another... sabotage that, you know, a few years ago at What the yeah. Fest, they uh, like trash the place and like gonna fight with security oh yeah they got bucked with security yeah stage. yeah but they, they're, they're starting to make a little bit of a comeback i haven't seen as much yeah. negative press recently well yeah they had a seattle show they were supposed to come through showbox soto and every single comment on the page was like fuck you guys don't come to seattle we don't want you here and they ended yeah. up uh turning off all the comments on the page and after they turned off all the comments on the page the show sold out <laughs> so it's one of those like there's still enough people that unfortunately don't give a shit about it yeah a, that, that's kind of interesting to think about also you have um the the younger generation like every year there's a new group of people that turn 18 or turn 21 find edm like, yeah or that one may not have even heard about you know what the fast two years ago or like and people are just looking for like shows and like reason to go out so it's kind of interesting that there's like, you know, these, these, I always like, I still consider myself like a young twenties, you know, like I, I love Raven party and like going out, but like, you know, I'm an old man compared to all the people out and you like, you're like, Oh, I know everybody in the scene. And then you're like, wait, no, I'm like on the, in the twilight of my twenties, you know, right. like stuck in the studio every day. And like, so. Yeah. Cause you guys were both pretty big gamers too, right? You guys both played Halo a significant amount. I, I wasn't, I wasn't the biggest gamer actually. Okay. I had a mix of games I played. Um, nothing like... Well, I played a lot of Halo, yeah. Uh, the one that I put a lot of hours in, I think I've played like four or five times, is Skyrim. Okay. And then I, I really love um, uh, sports games where I can manage every aspect of the team. Okay. I don't even necessarily like playing the games. I like just managing the teams <laughs> and like seeing how they do because I, gotcha. I like the analytical side of it. So Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, for some reason, I thought you had played Halo too. Halo is kind of where my whole yeah, gravity oh, lift yeah. game came from. Oh, I never knew that. <laughs> you never put, I didn't even you never know that. that yeah. No. Oh, dude, Halo is, oh, man, playing yeah. Halo 3 back in the day, even just like going all the way back, Halo 1. Yeah. Like how like revolutionary it was D at the time. Dave and I met pretty much through Halo 1. We used to play LAN parties back in high school. Dude. Um, and then when Halo yes. 2 came out, me, him, and two other guys were on a team and we played semi pro and like played competitively at halo so that was kind of like our thing and that's what brought us together so when dave and i were like trying to figure out a name for our project we were trying to think of different things we we're like oh gravity lift like that kind of sounds like some sort of like you know music takes you to another place like dude for so I, I, type thing. I was never that in a halo so i had no idea and it totally works with music i didn't even like i didn't even know it had a reference outside of that yeah so. not it's always funny just like you said when people 
will hit you with this super obscure Jackie Chan chant and they're like, oh yeah, like I know that that's what that comes from. It's, it's Halo was obviously a lot more popular than that, but still it's awesome when someone comes up to me and like, dude, gravity lift, you play Halo. Yeah. I play <laughs> yeah, Halo. <that's> nice. <laughs> but I ask about that because it's interesting. You talked about the, the younger crowd um, and they seem to be super into like Twitch streaming. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'm trying to go in a couple different directions here, but first one is Twitch streaming, how much people love to watch other people. And that seems to be people love to donate money to people that are playing a video game, which is like bonkers to me that people will just sit and watch someone else play video games and send them money. But that's like the culture we live in. It's kind of entertaining to watch somebody who's really good at a game that you know kind of the mechanics behind, you know like how hard it is to do what they're doing. So in a sense, I kind of get it. Like you're donating for the entertainment of watching somebody kick everybody else's ass see but that's where like i used to watch like mlg championships and mm-hmm. then it's like the person who wins wins a truck and fifty thousand dollars or something like right. that so like the championship was set up in a way that kind of like garnered money but this is almost like an individual level and i definitely like see it but it's still crazy to me that someone will pay for that format and i'm gonna take it one way and then bring it right back but super interesting watching famous famous in quotes uh twitch streamers who will then also say something negative and will just destroy their entire career mm-hmm. like one of the biggest streamers uh out right now PewDiePie said some yeah whack shit dude. so yeah. my buddy tim from high school was his manager and like was dealing with all this shit and he just like drops the n-word while playing video games oh, like hard r yeah. n-word and people like went off and dude like that was, lost, that was in the top road for like a day and a half he lost, <laughs> like, he lost like a million dollar contract like the dude was making like a million dollars a year to like stream. wow like how <laughs> ridiculous is that so where i'm going to take this back to is <laughs> i've thought it'd be really cool to set up streaming in here i talked about like setting up a video game system and be able to like play in here but Random thought. What's your guys' thoughts on possibly setting up, instead of like a live Reddit AMA, you set up almost like a Twitch stream that has your computer set up and people are able to like watch you produce as you're making stuff and being able to like send them stuff? Or do you feel like there are like enough secrets in what you're doing that you're not wanting like other people to be like a part of that vision? I would be totally down for that, especially for the uh, writing and creative process. I think it'd be cool to show people like how much... uh, experimentation there is how much trial and error how many changes happen to a song there's some things like i i wouldn't call them industry secrets but you know they kind of are you know a chef is not going to reveal his like yeah you know proper recipes like i wouldn't just go out there and say hey this is how i do my psytrance baseline mm-hmm. to you know the exact frequency of every like band and the eq and the compressor and whatnot so i think it'd be interesting to show people kind of uh the, the kind of a gist of what we do and then show them the creative writing process um, and, you know, give people, it, it's kind of like a building a personal relationship with them as well. Like they see you in the studio. This is what you do. This is you are as a person. I think it'd be a cool little thing to hype up a little bit. Say, like, hey, we're going to do um, a live Twitch stream uh, for like two hours. We're going to show you what we do when we produce music. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty sweet. That would be a cool avenue. Because like, yeah, I mean, what you have now, uh, there's kind of like the AMA culture, you know, like a big DJ or like, you know, they'll do an AMA, which is really cool, but yeah, that'd be cool to just like get you. And I think one of the reasons Twitch is so successful is when you get like the green screen and then you're there and you can see what they're doing, they're gaming, but you can also see like a person and they're, you know, like it's, that's makes it the personal level. Connection. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
It's I think something that'd be cool. we yeah. couldn't do before. I mean, you have these superstar DJs and rock stars and celebrities and like they're on a different planet than you, mm-hmm. you know? And then you, you know, we have the internet now, you get to know them a little bit. You know, if their PR person is the one like responding to questions or anything, you get to see who they are as a person and realize they're just another human yeah. you know, and they just happen to, you know, get famous because they're really good at something. But it'd, it'd be cool to take some of that mystery out of, yeah, out of like how people make electronic music because like, yeah, when you first start producing, like what the fuck is going on i have no clue like <laughs> you know and then you all you have a disconnect between like because there's so many people who really like electronic music that i feel like could have it in them to make really awesome music but there's just kind of like these barriers to entry like well i don't know i mean you know i, I whatever i i bootlegged a, a program and now like now what am i doing there's a disconnect mm-hmm. between that and like the people that you see you know main stage edc it's like well i have no idea so be able to like get in the studio and be like, Hey, this is, you know, how we make some of these sounds or how you go about building a progression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think it's super important now to, like I was saying, to build a brand, but build a personal connection because mm-hmm. you can, you can buy different setups online, different tutorials on how to produce, Master but it's, it's just what? some dude just clicking through it. Like you're not connecting with an individual who you like their music, you like what they're doing. And then you're like, Oh, and then here's also this way that I can support them outside of buying specific video content for $60 or a hundred dollars or $300, like whatever price they put out for you. It's kind of like, Hey, we're going to not give you everything, you know, you could go buy a masterclass if you want a masterclass. But if you want to see my process and see what we do and kind of like get a connection to us, I think it's a cool way to go about it. Um, A lot of people are using like Patreon these days. But Patreon, I don't know. I, I, I like the idea. Do you guys know Patreon? Yeah, kind of like it's a. I haven't like delved into like gone and checked it out specifically. But basically, you can, you know, get people to what like sponsor you and yeah so whatever content you're putting out yeah in some ways it's pretty much like sponsorship it's kind of like i will continue to put out content and the content that i put out is going to be sponsored by you and you'll get you know early access to content or specific content just for you that the general public can't get because you've donated to my cause whether it's one dollar a hundred dollars or different things um I think that's kind of a cool format to do. It's kind of similar in the idea of a Twitch stream where you can kind of create a profile for yourself and then people can donate to you because um, as a local DJ myself, like people will come out and support you. People love you. And like you said, you're worried about being pigeonholed as a support or as a, as a local support, but like people want to let you guys know that they like you. Mm -hmm. And so like, creating avenues where you can connect with your fan base beyond just like oh a quick facebook comment Mm -hmm. like they're able to kind of like see what you're doing behind the scenes and like feel like they're a part of something Mm -hmm. i think that's super important today i think uh i'm gonna go back just a little bit on your point about um kind of helping like younger producers like none of neither of us like got to the point where we were at without the help of other people who knew what they're doing i said earlier my friend alex kind of showed me how ableton works and you know, he's the first guy to tell me how to sidechain something. Like that concept was completely foreign to me until he brought it up. And then with Brennan, he taught me a lot of the mixing techniques that he uses, um, how he uses compression, saturation, all those things. So I think in general, it's like people do need to have a little bit of a kickstart like that. They need to see how something is done and kind of be confident with what they're doing so that they can begin to experiment. Because that's where um, a lot of that creativity and that music is created is uh, you starting to experiment and making your own sounds. That's kind of where we've grown recently is we've spent a lot of time just avoiding samples and saying, hey, we're going to make our own sounds. We have our own library of sounds we've made ourselves. 
Um, so you get, you know, but you need that push at the start to kind of have the confidence to just mess around until it starts sounding good. Yeah. Now, do you have any prior experience with instruments or piano lessons or anything, or is it mostly just the production? Uh, yeah, I had piano lessons for basically my whole childhood up until I was 18. And uh, I played uh, drums for like five years, nice. a couple like hardcore bands. Yeah. So that's always helpful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what about you, Locke? Piano for me as well. Yeah. No, no drums, like zero drums. <laughs> <laughs> Philip does our drums. <laughs> Put that on the record. <laughs> nice. Well, speaking of piano, you've got some uh, piano keys tattooed all up your arm. Yeah, a few man. other things there. Yeah, piano keys, Beethoven up top, dude. Yeah, I remember when you first started getting those tattoos. It's like, damn, that's sick. You're on like a year waiting list or something to Co- get it with that dude. Couple years, man. Couple yeah. Years. Yeah. I remember you were so stoked on that, and then you finally got it, and I was like, "Oh shit, there it is." Yeah, I think like I, I we connected like recently after I, like I'd made the appointment, which is in 2012. I made the appointment, and then I was like, "Yeah, dude, I'm like booked with this epic artist down in LA." Like, and you're like, "Nice, nice." Like, so when are you going down? I was like, "2015, <laughs> like November. It's gonna be sick." You're like, "Okay." <laughs> And then I just had to like wait for three years and it was like the hardest fucking thing I've ever done. But yeah. like, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fun, man. And now you got a couple more going on there, your whole sleeve. Yeah. Chipping away. My next appointment's in like a year. <laughs> <laughs> a year but, away. What about yeah. you, Phil? You got any tattoos? You know, I don't have any right now and locks inspired me a little bit. Yeah. And I'm constantly working on it. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the first tour that we uh, have, um, I'll probably get one, but my idea, it's, it's, Sort of a ripoff off of locks, but it, it's a different take. As I um, kind of want to get like a, a black space, a, a piano keys down uh, my calf, so you just see the black lines of the piano keys, yeah. the one two and the one two three, and that's it. Nice. So you kind of get the image of a piano, but you're like, what is that at first? And then you realize, oh, yeah, I like that. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's always this constant in my brain, like, oh, what do I get? I have one tattoo on my side. It's just like a word that means a ton to me. But like Dave has a big one on his back. He just got a big one on his triceps or on the tricep. I think of his left or right arm. I don't know. But he's got like a big spot. It's like kind of like a robot looking like tearing through his skin type thing. Oh, um, dude, that's, that's recent. You said? Yeah. You got that pretty recent. That I'll have to show you a picture of it. But yeah, yeah totally. it's, it's one of those. Dave and I would always joke about that. Like, dude, when we get famous as like big DJ producers, he's like, we're both just going to get tatted the fuck up. Like, <laughs> like full <laughs> sleeves. Just ben like, status. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, that would be the dream. Antonella and I talk about that. And like, I don't have the finances right now to go be spending a bunch of money on tattoos. But like, I have a couple keyed away in the back of my mind. And I'm like, oh, that would be a dope one. Like, that that's, would be sick. Dude, that's the thing, man. Like, there's literally the rest of your life. There's no rush for tattoos. And like, that's been my view with them. Um, like, yeah. And that's what I tell Phil. Like, definitely get some tattoos at the same time. Like, <laughs> it's whatever. You, know? you don't like, have to. Yeah, take your time. You don't yeah. have to. And like, um, yeah, I think uh, like something, if you're going to get like a big piece, like something that's going to like come past where like you wear, you know, like lower arms or whatever, like it's got to be something that you just do right. So like the amount of like time you have to wait, the amount of money it costs, like I, I don't have a shit ton of money. So that's why I don't, I can't get these all the time. You know, you have to like save up and it's whatever. But uh, yeah, man, just, just do it. Just go big. Find the this exact artist you want and, you know, go to wherever you have to go in the world and like and go big yeah i know like uh anthony samaha like every time he goes to a different country is when he gets attacked yeah. mm-hmm. 
So he'll be over there. And for like when he when he puts out a yeah, track, track. track. all his tracks really he has cool. a tattoo yeah. for. His tattoos are super cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely I definitely think it's a great idea to plan a tattoo in advance mm-hmm. and know that you're gonna have to wait to get it. Cause if because then if you still want that same tattoo in two years, then you get it. Totally. If you don't, totally. then don't that's, that's do a it. Fair point. I feel like the process of getting one should be a combination of that planning out and impulsive. Like for me, it'll mm-hmm. be when I kind of reach a new breakthrough in like, you know, myself uh, or in my career, like as a musician, like, okay, this feels like time dry. This is perfect. This is like who I am like for sure now and I want to get it. So it's a combination of that because I have it planned out. It's just I don't really have a date set for it. Yeah. And I tell myself probably the for- first tour, right? Yeah. Or maybe the first oh. like really, really big break that we have that, yeah. you know, gets us moving forward. I like that. Yeah, my soon to be daughter, like right when she turned eighteen, got like one on the e- one on the back of each of her triceps, one on her back, and then like a month or two later got like a little one on her wrist. And like they all look super dope and they look absolutely great on her. But it was one of those of being like, Oh shit, you literally just turned eighteen and you ain't got four tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn. Yeah. Don't know if I would recommend Risky. that. <laughs> like you gotta know that because that's on you for the rest of your life. And I think tattoos are amazing because they're art and it's mm-hmm. art that you wear on you and it's a mm-hmm. showpiece every time you're there. But you damn well better love your showpiece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a that's kind of a key reason why Dave and I have never put anything out because like Dave has put together a decent amount of some arrangements of tracks and we've you know created some fun weird stuff that we like. But we're at that point where we're like, I don't want to look back on a track ten years from now when we actually do have some like crazy cool stuff and be like, why did I ever put that track yeah. out? That was oh, garbage. Man. I think like a week ago I went back like through my personal SoundCloud and see what I'd posted, like hoping there would be some like gems in there, some like ideas I could use now. And no, there there isn't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's rough. We've kept all those gems stored away. <laughs> yeah, probably just delete that. that account. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, dude. No one knows about it, so I can chill. Uh, it might know. Some, some, something that we. It's not that like it's a it's a big thing, but our first our first side trance track that we put out Taj, mm-hmm. which was like it's a it's a cool track and like a lot of cool ideas in there, but like baseline know, and kick are say, whack. Yeah, this I mean side trance like the kick and the side trance bass pluck the side trance baseline are like oh, what eighty percent of like the track's uh-uh. soul like side they just have to be up to a certain par. Um, and for that track, they weren't yet. We thought they were at the time and it's not a huge deal, but like we like going back and listening to it now, now that like our, our kick bass combo is like there, we like listen to it. And we're just like, oh, dude, yeah. we had like, we took it off our SoundCloud, <laughs> but like some other like really big SoundCloud had like uploaded it. So it still exists on the uh-huh. internet. So that's kind of like our 18 year old tattoo Yeah. as far as, as far as our, our, you know, our work catalog and it's fine. Um, yeah, it's fine as, as long as you have like but, one know, or two of those 18 year old tattoos, those are okay. Yeah, exactly. You know? the, the way I view that, especially uh, like talking about tattoos is, um, even if in the end you become a totally different person and that tattoo doesn't like resemble who you are at the moment, it resembles who you used to be at one point in time. And that's just as important because that kind of brought you to that same, the place mm, you are now. Totally. Yeah. So with like Tosh, it's like a reminder, like, Hey, you know, I'm getting kind of like you know, losing confidence and drive because I don't think our music is quite good enough. And then I like hear a song we put out two years ago. I'm like, wow, this is horrible. Like, you know, what can I do in the next two years <laughs> after this? Yeah. Right. If I keep putting work in, like I might not see the day-to-day progress, but that kind of reminds you that there is that day-to-day progress over time and it adds up. It's a great mindset to have. I think that seems to be 
the vast majority of it. Dude, I want to just because like um, piano themes, like with the tattoos has been a constant thread. I want to circle back. Dude, we got to like, we should put like a like some sort of like dueling piano thing together because we both like get down on the piano. But it's just like, it's, it's, <laughs> Dude, a, total, yeah. it's a total disconnect from like side trance. I mean, like it helps when we're coming up, you know, with like progressions and melodies and whatnot. But Next like, April Fool's we're putting out a new, uh, new track <laughs> and it's just going to be something. Or, us or, dueling on the Oh yeah. yeah, or just like a video of like us on a grand piano, just like ripping it, dude. Because yeah. like, uh, you know, as far as like the Demibo fan base, it's just like, yeah, these guys make side trance. They, you know, what like fucking love acid and partying and like you know whatever. It'd be super cool to just like, you know, just hit people with a curveball and be like, oh, these guys also just like get down on the piano because I feel like, you know, it's really cool when you see like an electronic artist, um, throw down, you know, on an instrument because like. I feel like not every artist has that. Um, for sure. I don't know. That'd be fun. So, yeah. Something to table for future for well, future ideas. With, with Psytrance, it's like so different from most music. You think that there can't really be inspiration from other kinds of music or any like influence from that. Like for us, like, I mean, I used to constantly play piano and like, you know, listen to classical music. I mean, we have a Tool album cover as an art piece in our studio and like that you know, their, their lyrics and their, their style and the way they build their songs has an influence on, you know, what we do. So. Nice. So anyway, Demibo, yeah. Christmas. Piano yeah. Coming Set soon. that up. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, uh, I took piano lessons when I was younger and then I totally got out of it. And then, um, I reconnected with Brian Becker. You guys know Brian Becker? Not super well personally, yeah. but yeah. I know, you know, I know of him? Yeah, yeah. Totally, and, totally. He like did this like free giveaway, uh, like, all right, sign up and, you know, I'm going to give away two free piano lessons. And I won the two free piano lessons. And so I went and took some lessons from him, which was cool to like get back into it and play with some of it. And like that dude loves his piano. Um, and he actually just made a post today about asking if anybody wanted to go to a dual pia or a dueling pianos bar on Facebook. He was like, someone should come to this with me. So you might want to reach out to that dude. I'm not saying like specifically to do this, but like just another dude who's like super just to open piano, up piano, who's yeah. actually like <clears throat> doing some pretty cool things as a producer. He's creating a lot of like orchestral video game epic music that he's trying to get into. And he always sends me kind of his work in progresses and stuff. Um, and I would recommend kind of reaching out to him because that could be someone cool to kind of have some sort of a collab as a local Seattle guy who um, who isn't producing electronic music in terms of like a, a mainstream way of like trying to hit Psytrance or trance or house mm. or some like specific genre. He's just making what he loves. Yeah. And it could be kind of fun to see if like he's got any fun elements to kind of throw into it or just do a three person dueling. What would you call that? Like try dueling pianos <laughs> melee <laughs> <laughs> melee of pianos just everyone gets a melee action in <laughs> might be a little bit of chaos right there i think it'd be fun man yeah but the piano is the instrument as far as like a a musical instrument like the sounds they create just the the sound of a piano note on like a nice nice piano nicely tuned is just like the purest form of just like a note in my opinion, I'm very biased because I grew up playing it, but like, you know, yeah. I love all instruments, but it's just like pianos. There's something so natural about the, um, the wire vibrating. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, my mom has a beautiful piano up in that house up there. And Ooh, that's dude. where I was playing on it. it was anytime I would just come home to work on the lesson that Brian gave me, I would just play around on that and it's just, it just sounds so great. That's awesome, dude. I've seen him post stuff on Facebook about like, you know, people be like, anybody know like a good piano player? I'm looking, people always tag him. I'm like, Ooh. 
Yeah. I see you, Brad. He's a good dude. Yeah. Uh, I would recommend you guys at least talk to him over anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. Well, uh, my it seems like my sound card is uh, getting a little bit full. We've got about 10 more minutes left on this one before it's going to cut out on okay. me. Uh, so we may as well just start to uh, wrap things up. Uh, anything else you guys want to get into? We'll be able to uh, throw kind of your show notes if of anything upcoming that you want to talk about, any you know upcoming songs or gigs that you're able to put out. And I'll have you put a bio on everything. But is there anything else you guys kind of want to get into before we run out of time? Yeah, I think I, I personally cover everything that I wanted to, and there's nothing that I can bring up. So <laughs> <laughs> nothing else that I can bring up. It's, it's funny to be at the point where it's like we have we have like not like any like epic announcements, but we have like some things going on. It's like yeah. I'm not sure <laughs> how much we can say, but yeah, yeah. we got to have a yeah. filter a little bit. Yeah, nice. Well, that, that works. Well, uh, I'll definitely we've got a an episode or two that we're gonna put up before this one, so we can always hold off on a little bit and see. Kind of when things come out, maybe in the near future, we'll be able to to post about a couple things. Yeah, yeah. we'll sit there. No, dude. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're good. So yeah, um, we're gonna be playing with uh, Jeff after Chronicles. We're playing uh, Foundation. Yeah. Okay. Doing back to back with him. Yeah, dude. We're doing a DJ Sven Demibo back to back. Sick. And that'll that be really party? that'll be really fun, dude. Yeah. Because Jeff's just like stoked on side check. He has this alter ego, DJ Sven. Um, and he hasn't really like done any, like actually like build shows as such. He'll do like secret sets after EDC and stuff. But, uh, yeah, he like, he loves like DJ just side trance, but it's not like quite his seven lions brand. And so, um, anyway, we have like, we have some stuff we're working on. He has some really cool side trance. Like he, he wants to experiment and drop and stuff. And so anyway, after the show at WAMU, we're going to do like a after party foundation. Um, and like, yeah, Jason Ross will be there and then we're going to play some side trance with Jeff and it's going to be super sick. Nice. I'll have to so, hit a few people up and get myself uh, in there. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun, man. Just kind of, but sweet. yeah, I mean, it's going to be announced within the next like week or two. So, okay. Well, yeah. we'll just post this once it's, once that's already announced. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Nice. Sweet. Well, thank you so much, both of you for coming in, sitting down, talking a bit. Thanks for having us, brother. Yeah. It's thanks, been Jordan. a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, Love to be in contact about other things as we continue on. I'm sure we will be. Um, but yeah, thanks so much. Cheers, man. Thanks, right. man. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Gravity Lift Podcast with Jordan and Antonella. If you like our show and want to find more, check out our website at gravitylift.space. And when you get a sec, please rate and review us on iTunes to help us spread these vibes far and wide.